It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. You can also email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. God is doing a great work, even here in America. We've been hearing what God was doing in different places around the world, but because of prayers, people repenting, turning to the Lord, we're hearing fantastic reports from college campuses. It started at Asbury, but it is continuing, and we're praying. I know you're praying. I know you prayed yesterday. So this is Exploring the Word, and it's Fire Away Friday And that means you can make a phone call and ask your Bible question. And that number, if you'll call, is 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. And we would love to hear your Bible question, your prayer request, your praise. And, uh, Alex, let me just share this with you, and I'll throw it to you. We know what's been going on in Asbury. But let me just tell you, we've heard it up in Cedarville uh, in Ohio. How about Sanford University in Birmingham, Alabama? It went all through the night and continues today. And at my, my alma mater, Blue Mountain College used to be. Now it's Blue Mountain Christian University. I just got off uh, about uh, 30 minutes ago to one of my uh, the professors there, and he said it is continuing to go since 10 o'clock this morning, and they're continuing to go and praise and pray and just share the good news of Jesus Christ. Brother, we're praying. It continues and spreads, right? Amen, amen. You know, there's a news article right now on uh, the wire service, and it says, forget TikTok, these youth want revival. And, Bert, it's, it's exciting because when there's a hunger for Jesus and people call out, and no games, uh, no no charade, but saying, Lord, I want you in my life. Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Uh, Lord Jesus, I do believe. I mean, God, the Bible says he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And Bert, I think we know that in our own lives. We've read it through history. We uh, see it in the pages of Scripture. And I believe we're seeing it now. And Bert, let me just encourage everybody. And by the way, this is Exploring the Word Fireway Friday. We're going to get to your calls. The number is 888 I see a lot of calls already coming up on the, the board. But Bert, uh, one of my professors, somebody who hugely shaped my life, is Elmer Towns, Dr. E.L. Towns. He was the first dean of Liberty University, even in his 90s, is still a major uh, voice for God and the gospel. But, uh, Bert, uh, did you ever see Dr. Towns' book on the great revivals throughout history? Uh, yes, history I did. Is 10. Yes. yes. All right, Dr. Towns, and this is where it gets down to each one of us, he talks about as a born-again believer, you can become a carrier of revival. Yeah. Now, a cold or the flu, you don't want to be contagious on that. But when it comes to carrying about you the presence of God and being contagious for revival, <laughs> we can become contagious. So here's my thing. Um, the newswire is just um, heating up with coverage of revival from Asbury, Cedarville, like Blue Mountain. All right, here's the thing. Maybe this weekend at your church, you guys want to come to the altar and pray for revival. Pray for a move of God's Spirit in America. And just as Dr. Towns has written about for years and years, uh, might we become contagious and let's get infected with the power and presence of God? And Bert, let's become carriers of revival. Amen. And matter of fact, let me share this. Uh, We know about the ones we've mentioned, Asbury, Cedarville, Sanford, Blue Mountain. If you know of a college, uh, Christian college, other college in your area that you've heard God is working in, uh, you don't have to give a long report. Just go call in and say, listen, God is working at, and let us hear about it. We want to be instruments of carrying and being that instrument of revival. And God has positioned AFR with, with its radio 
stations with the internet that we have. Listen, Alex, AFR is positioned for God to be able to use us, and we want that. So let's pray for that, and then we'll get to the first call. Would you mind leading us in prayer that God would use uh, whoever he will and, you know, for, for this great revival? Let's pray. Lord, as we convene this hour of exploring the Word, Lord, this is a sacred hour because we are uniting together to hear from your Word. We're uniting together to commune with you, Jesus. And as a body of believers, right now, uh, Bert and I, and I'm sure I speak for countless numbers of people listening, Lord, we agree that Jesus is Lord. We agree that the Bible is the Word of God. We agree that our nation needs you, dear Jesus. Lord, we agree in praising you. Lord, we praise you, we give you honor, and we thank you for how you're moving. Lord, the Bible talks about the times of refreshing that come. And when we hear about the Spirit of God bringing 50-hour-long chapel services and weeks of repentance and confession. Lord, we agree that it is a privilege for you to move in our nation. So, Lord, as we go to the calls, Lord, together may each one of us be committed. And, Lord, I am afresh and anew. Father, cleanse me and fill me and use me for every one of us. Let us become an agent of spiritual awakening and revival where everywhere we live, Lord, we desire you to be in Tupelo, in Greensboro, North Carolina, where I am, all throughout Texas, the Midwest, the Upper Northeast, New England, the Upper Northwest, Seattle, Portland, Sacramento, uh, Bend, Oregon, I know we're being heard there, the lower southwest out there in Albuquerque and Arizona. So, Lord, from coast to coast, uh, middle and every place in between, dear Jesus, send a revival and use this program in that process. And, Lord, we give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Bert, are we ready to open up the phone? We're ready. Let me do one thing. We got This would be perfect, and we'll get to you in a second, Paul. One of the questions came in to explain grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit. So with what you just prayed, what we've been saying, I think it'd be very appropriate to give a a small answer. You know, we could go, it's elaborate, but I think we can. Quenching the Holy Spirit is the same thing as like quenching a fire. I heard it when I went to a Bible conference. It says, don't throw water on the fire that God has started in your life. You know, and so yeah. what you want to do is confess your sin. Uh, you, when God points out a sin, when God speaks to your heart about uh, going to speak something or saying something, don't say no. Say yes to that, Alex. Uh, that's powerful. Don't don't. I know right now it says test the spirits. I understand that, but where we're looking at and watching God work in these, uh, you know. Do you look at it with critical eyes? I pray that you'll first look at it with hopeful eyes. You know, do you agree? Yeah. Well, let me read a verse, James 1, verse 6. It says, when we pray and ask, When you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. And it goes on, it says, Let, let that man think that he'll receive nothing from God. And when we hear about, revival and we might say well okay that's just some emotional thing no quenching revival and ephesians 4 30 says that we're not to grieve the holy spirit bert i think when we doubt when we look uh at the world uh, or at what god is doing we look at it with unbelief look let's be bold in faith let's believe that god is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him and when um, I'm going to say this, too, and, and I know we've got a full call board. We're going to get to you, folks. But when we ask God to move, we've got to let God define what that looks like. <laughs> and if if people amen. raise hands and shout amen, well, praise the Lord. And if people, um, you know, come to the altar and weep tears of contrition, well, so be it. But, Bert, um, we got to let God define what this awakening is going to be, and let's our posture simply be, Lord, please just show up, and and I'm willing to go where you lead. Amen. Let me say this. The song I can only imagine expresses it well. Will I dance before you, Jesus, 
are there stand still. Alex, you know, it's worship. As, as, as you're confessing, it is worship, not judging how somebody else is doing it. So, hey, amen. I, I'm amen. pumped up. Where do we go to first? Uh, we're going to go to Louisiana. Paul in Louisiana, thank you for holding. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, good evening, guys. Um, so, thank you so much, by the way, for your show. Um, so, Chapter 5 of Acts, um, it's talking about... <clears throat> A uh, husband and a wife, they sell their property, and instead of giving all the money to Simon Peter, they they keep some. And he's talking with the, the, the husband at first, and then he just drops down and dies. And then they call in the wife, and she says the same thing that the husband did, which is lying to him, and then she drops down and dead. Can y'all explain, like, really what what's going on? If it was their land, like, what, what yeah. was the... Were they, What's going on right there? Okay, Paul, thank great question. I, yes. I want to say that first. Great question. Let me just hear you. They were selling their land. God did not just direct them to, tell them to. They voluntarily did it. And they, when they began, it seems like they were going to bring all that money and give it so it could be distributed. But when they got it in their hands, I, it looks like, sounds like they had second thoughts and they kept back some but they told everyone they was giving their all. Is that how you understand it, Paul? I mean, uh, Alex, sorry about that, Paul. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, you know, it might sound pretty severe, uh, but here's the thing. Uh, I think the key to understanding this, after Ananias and Sapphira, they sold some land, they gave some money, but they lied about it, and they were making a show. Uh, it was kind of a, a like, look at us, we gave all this money. Uh, verse 11 says, and great fear came upon all the church. And and the word translated fear there means two things. For one thing, great reverence came over all the church. In other words, people understood that, hey, look, this thing of being a part of God's work is not something I'm going to trifle with, and I'm not doing it for show, great reverence. But the other thing is the word fear. Great fear came upon all the church, as many as heard these things. It, it also means to withdraw. In other words, um, there were people, when they saw that Ananias and Sapphira died for the game they were playing, some withdraw and said, hey, I don't need this. And that's fine. There's a winnowing. Um, there's the serious and the curious. And that's what was going on. It was a purification of the church, wasn't it, Bert? It really was. God's judgment on new directions and new ministries is very important, and that's what he did there. We'll be back right after the break. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Jake Sullivan, National Security Advisor. He's the principal advisor to the president on all national security issues. Proverbs 11.14 reminds us of the importance of trusted advisors. Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Jake Sullivan as he advises the president. We ask this. In Jesus' name, amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. The Bible has a lot to say about who we are in Christ, but Dr. Tony Evans says sometimes the Lord needs to remind us who we aren't. He's got an example to share with us as we spend two minutes with Tony. Garden of Eden was the homestead for Adam and Eve. That was their house. In the middle of the house, in the den, God put a tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But they had all these other trees in the garden. God said, from all these other trees you may freely eat, but that tree in the middle of the garden, don't mess with that because that tree will kill you. Why are you going to put the tree that's going to mess me up in the den? Because that means when I go to the kitchen, I got to pass by that tree. When I go to the bedroom, I got to pass by that tree because you got it right in the middle of my house, right in the middle of the den. Because that tree was to be a perpetual reminder that this is not yours. 
This is mine. I'm just letting you stay here. This tree is to remind you I am your source. This tree is to remind you that if it wasn't for me, none of this would be here. So I'm giving you a perpetual mind. You won't be able to go through your house without being reminded it's all about me. You get the benefits that it's about me, but I want you to not forget it. So I'm putting it in the midst of the garden. And so you want to make sure that you're getting the joy out of life he wants you to have, the peace out of life he wants you to have, the stability in life he wants you to have, because all of those are blessings that come from God. Because there's some things you need money can't buy, and you better be looking to God for those things as well. Learn why everything we have comes from God and what he wants us to do with it. Check out Tony's CD series, Kingdom Stewardship, Available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. In Him we were also chosen as God's own, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything by the counsel of His will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, would be for the praise of His glory. Ephesians chapter 1 Verse 11 and 12. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. What will I sing when I'm held to the flame like I am right now? Welcome back to Exploring the Word. This is Bertie and Alex. We're so glad you're listening. It's Fire Away Friday, and uh, we're still praying. We're reminding you in each segment, keep praying that Asbury Revival continues. And like Alex prayed, may it roll over into our churches this weekend. And we're praying for that, asking God to do a great work. But, Alex, we do have people called in, have questions. Where do we go to next? Oklahoma, Rose in Oklahoma, and I got an email this morning from a listener in Oklahoma, but Rose, a caller, we're glad to have you. Welcome to the program. Yes, thank you, Bert and Alex. Thank you so much for your program. Um, I have a question about the Bride of Christ. Uh, I was reading in in Revelation, and in 19, um, in verse 7, it talks about uh, the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready uh, for the marriage supper of the Lamb, and I always understood that from Ephesians 5 reference that the church is the bride of Christ. Uh, but then I was reading in Revelation 21, verse 9, and the angel is showing John, he said, uh, come, I'll show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb, and then he talks about showing him the holy city of Jerusalem coming down, and sort of personifies the city as her brilliance. So I was a little confused as, is, you know, is the Bride of Christ the church, or other references to that, and is it also Jerusalem? I was confused as why it was also calling Jerusalem the Bride of the Lamb. Okay, thank you, Rose. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you, we've been going through Proverbs, and let me just try to make this, application, Alex, it may not go well. In Proverbs, you'll be reading in one verse, and then in the next verse, it's completely different avenue. Now, it's going to be truths in Proverbs, but it's going to be another avenue. Uh, Sometimes uh, this happens in Scripture. They'll be talking about the bride of Christ, and the next moment, New Jerusalem coming down as, but it it, not as, but, uh, you know, there's different coming as, and being the bride of Christ, isn't there? Yeah, and and you know what? This really speaks to the sanctity of, of the home and the family in a way, because um, you remember marriage and family really is a picture of Christ in the church, and the New Testament talks about that. Um, also, what we see here in the Revelation 20, uh, verse 9, "'Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife,' What's, what's interesting, both of those words translated bride and wife speak of a wife, a female. But also, the, the New Jerusalem is the, the home where the bridegroom and the bride will live. 
just like in ancient the Jewish um, culture, um, you know, the wedding, the groom and the bride go to live in their house, a place prepared. You know, from the engagement to the marriage consummation, the, uh, the groom had about a year to prepare the house, right? And when Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, you know, and he's been gone 2,000 years preparing that mansion in heaven. Bert, I, I really think the ancient Jewish, the, the betrothal engagement, the wedding, the home life, that's very pictorial of the uh, salvation, the church age, the second coming, the marriage supper of the Lamb, the new heavens and the new earth. So the bride is the body of believers throughout all the ages. The new Jerusalem is the home where we're going to live with the groom, our Savior, Jesus. And that's one of the reasons I'm going to say this, I'm going to throw to you, Bert. One of the reasons I think the devil has so vehemently attacked marriage and family is because marriage and family is so vividly a picture of Christ in the church. Would you agree? I agree fully. It is the basis for God's creation, man and woman. It was the very first. That was the first relationship outside of the relationship with God and Adam that there was, and that's a husband and wife, the very... And then it's both true in creation and redemption. You see how that works? The marriage is a picture in creation of what God wants, but it's also the picture of redemption, Jesus and the bride. So, Alex, right on, brother. All right. Well, thank you, Rose. We're going to go to Mississippi. Carl in Mississippi, welcome. And uh, you're on Exploring the Word. Hi, am I on? Yeah, you're on, Carl. Okay, yeah. Hey, uh, my question is from Matthew chapter 12 and verse 40. Uh, it's referencing hell, uh, where Jesus talked about Jonas being in the belly of the whale and how Christ would be in the uh, heart of the earth. Is this an indication that hell is literally in the center of the earth? Okay, great questions. That's what I always thought. Then I started looking, and, and it has the idea of downward, where heaven has the idea of upward, Alex, you know? And mm-hmm. how far down do you go? It's not, I think it is a real place. That's the first thing about hell. I am tormented in this flame. Uh, is it in the center of the earth? We know it gets greater and greater, uh, but we know it's downward and we know heaven is upward. Alex, go ahead. Well, you know, and this relates to the distinction between uh, hell and the lake of fire. And Bert, um, there was a great scholar named Dr. Henry Morris, and he was a Ph.D. from University of uh, Virginia, or no, Virginia Polytechnic Institute, and um, he wrote a very great book called The Revelation Record. And when you and I did Daniel and Revelation, I, I personally, you know, leaned pretty heavily on Dr. Morris's commentary verse by verse called The Revelation Record. I highly recommend that book. And he talked about the fact that, you know, at the center of planet Earth, um, the 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 burning fire that's at the center, the heart of the earth, which might be, you know, what the Lord is talking about there in the um, the Matthew twelve forty, the heart of the earth. But ultimately, the lake of fire might be some different place. Yeah. But you know what? Um, at the core of our planet, it's a burning fire, which that produces a lot of things. And I, I personally believe the oil fields that are constantly seeping to the surface, or they're not fossil beds of what is, I think, very incorrectly called fossil fuels, but the oil fields that are replenishing themselves are a result of the burning core of fire at the center of our planet. Now, is that where the spirits of unsaved, unbelieving people are being held till they'll ultimately get cast in the lake of fire? That's what Dr. Morris believed. Um, and you're right, Bert. Hell has the implication of being below, going down below, uh, and then heaven upward. So, you know, I, I don't have a problem because, you know, before the resurrection of Christ, um, there was within the realm of the dead two parts, Hades, punishment and fire, and paradise, Abraham's bosom. Now, the believing saints of all that were in Abraham's bosom were taken by, by Christ to heaven. But I, I think the unbelieving saints of old are still in the heart of the earth, yeah. that burning 
tormenting fire that is Hades, but ultimately they will be taken and cast forever into the lake of fire. Question is, where is the lake of fire? I don't know, but it's in some spiritual realm somewhere out there, isn't it? It is. Using that, what you just said, hell uh, is given over to the lake of fire. I heard a sermon, and it, it got your attention. Uh, you don't hell is uh, you don't have to go to hell and stay there, you know, because what is it? It'll be thrown into the lake of fire, and that really mm. got you toward me. In other words, the, if the Bible describes how horrible hell is, can you imagine how horrible the lake of fire is? And that was the message. It was a good message. And so, Alex, mm. thank you for that, and thank you, Carl, for your question. Okay. We're going to go to Hartwell. Hartwell in Louisiana, welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you. Uh, my question is, I have, I am concerned about our Christian nation being destroyed. I have talked with people encouraging them to get involved with no success. Are these people displeasing God? Okay. Well, let me just share. God's heart is for everyone to be saved. That's his uh, ultimate. Now, let just, I've said this before. I love America. God is not dependent on America. <laughs> we are dependent upon him. And, and Alex, uh, God hates pride. So there's a, a difference in having a thoughtful and thankful spirit for our founding fathers, for our country, the way it was set up, and praise God for it. But to take the ultimate pride and saying everything is dependent upon us, no, we're dependent on God. Uh, mm. And But the, what breaks God's heart are people who are without him in their life. Go ahead, Alex. Well, I'm going to give two quotes. And Hartwell, you, you raise a great question about are people that uh, supposedly know truth and could be an influence, but they're not, are they displeasing to God? Well, in the book of Ezekiel, over and over, uh, it says, When you see the wicked man in his way, and do not warn him, and he die in his sin, his blood I, I will require at your hand. Bert, um, do you remember the name? He's an evangelist. He's in heaven now. Freddie Gage. You do you remember that? Yes. Folks, if you go to your church library or you search online, you'll find Freddie Gage wrote a book called Bloody Hands, and it was about... Uh, proclaiming the truth of the gospel, but being silent. And and he used Ezekiel, and it's a very motivational book. But I'm going to give you a couple of quotes, and and Hartwell, thank you. Okay, Dante, who wrote Dante's Inferno, Dante Alighieri, the great Italian poet, he said, quote, The hottest places in hell are reserved for those who in times of great moral crisis maintain their neutrality. All right, I'm going to update it. And here was Edmund Burke in Colonial America. He said, all that is necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. So, Burke, look, I realize to speak up, to witness, to defend truth, to, to say, look, hey, transgenderism is a delusion. We love people, but transgenderism is a lie from Satan. Homosexuality is not God's plan. I mean... I realize, believe me, I'm keenly aware to speak truth in a time of darkness. Um, it will cause you to win some friends. It will cause you to gain some enemies. But, Bert, i got to say this. How can we not, uh, when our country is unraveling before our very eyes, how can we stay silent when we all we need to do is influence those around us, take a stand for truth? And as Billy Graham said, courage is contagious. Um, if I understand the caller, I think we've got to speak up, Bert. Amen. I, I use this phrase real quickly. I'll do it quickly. The stewardship of our citizenship. We are required to be good stewards as followers of Jesus Christ. That's period. And we're called to be citizens. Our Constitution said we the people. That means we're to be a part of that. And we are. And we vote. And we influence we're to use it. If we don't use this stewardship of our citizenship, then I, I agree with you. It is, it is that displeasing to the Lord, and uh, that, that's so important. So 
we, our listeners at AFR, uh, most of them, they're not only prayer warriors, not only soul winners, but they're good citizens. Most of them are that, and they're involved, and I thank God for it. Thank you Amen. for your call. Uh, Lee in Arkansas, thanks for holding. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. I truly enjoy your program, and thank you for your work in it. Um, I wish that you could just help me out um, explaining the gifts of God to like family and friends, like speaking of tongues, uh, laying hands, anointing oil, stuff like that. Uh, I grew up, a little background, I grew up, my papa was a Southern Assembly of God preacher. And I used to, I would go with them to conventions, to revivals, I mean, when I was younger. And, and to be honest with you, I feel like I've seen it all. I mean, I've seen 200 people pass out at an altar at one time at a revival. And, and when, you, when you try to explain these things to people and they say, oh, these are just, that's just a holy roller, or you see one of them preachers on TV. Like one time I saw Tyler Perry on TV with uh, T.D. Jakes, and he was talking in tongues. I'm like, I, I had no feeling about that at all. I'm like, that, there's no way that could be legitimate. And, and, and after witnessing this my whole life, I believe in it. Okay. And, but mm. it's hard to... It's hard to explain that to family and friends when when they see the the bad side of it. You don't you understand? Know uh, we do, Lee. Hey, don't have a lot of time for this segment. Alex, go ahead first. If there's time, I'll I'll chime in. Go ahead. Uh, let me encourage you to read First Corinthians twelve through fourteen, uh, and and let me. I want to be the first to acknowledge that equally good, godly, well intentioned people differ on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, Bert. You know, yes. uh, I'm going to tell you, um, there are people that think that... Well, well, let me say this. All true Christians believe in the work of the Holy Spirit. I mean, look, nobody gets saved apart from the, the drawing power of the Spirit of God, the converting power of the Holy Spirit, because, look, there's the world, the flesh, and the devil. And if somebody desires Jesus, or if somebody is empowered to speak for Christ, you know it's not the world, the flesh, or the devil. So all Christians, at least to some degree, believe in the gifts and the workings of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm just going to tell you, myself, Bert, I believe that the Lord can do anything you read about in the book of Acts. I really do. Now, I know we've got a break, and we'll we'll elaborate more when we come back. This is Exploring the Word. Uh, But... My position is, if it's of Jesus, I want it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I, I want everything he has for me. I don't want to miss out on anything. I'll agree with that. Hey, we're going to come back with more of your questions here on Exploring the Word on AFR. Forget about Facebook. The last 10 days we've been banned twice and is unbanning a word. They put us under the ban. Christians and conservatives don't need you, YouTube. Banned one day, banned again. AFR programs are now live streaming on the AFA streaming app. Now you can get shows like today's issues straight from the source. Put back on the next. Just say unbanned. Unbanned. Just search AFA streaming or visit streaming.afa.net to sign up. Washington Watch. This is a crisis of our own making, and that hard-nosed determination to not admit it for political reasons is just really, truly disheartening. Yeah, I I don't want to beat a dead horse, but on this particular issue, the contrast between the policies of the two administrations could not be sharper. As I've mentioned here on the program many times, I was at the border a little over a year ago. It was like a ghost town. Weekday afternoons at 4 Central and Saturday evenings at 6 Central on American Family Radio. In this new world, on this new day, we rejoice that Roe versus Wade has been overturned. Preborn has been preparing for this moment for the past 16 years by positioning their clinics in the top six abortion states where 50% of abortions occur. Sadly, five of these six states will continue to abort babies at an even greater level. And since the abortion pill accounts for over 50% of abortions, babies are even more at risk. Preborn pregnancy clinics are completely dependent on you as they offer life-saving ultrasounds and the life-saving gospel to moms and babies in crisis. When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life will be without her. 
To learn how you can be a part of rescuing babies' lives and sharing the heart of Jesus, go to preborn.com or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Before she ever became aware of the possibility of a kinsman redeemer, Ruth, the Moabite, demonstrated a strong work ethic and confidence in the God of Israel. The way toward God's destiny for our lives is through faithful obedience to him and diligent execution of what he's put in our hands to do right now. Before concerning ourselves with what may be next, we should first ask whether we've been faithful where we are. Faithfulness and diligence now yields clarity later. Let's put our hands to the plow we have now. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Word of God speak. Welcome back. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I'm finding myself in the midst of you. Beyond the music, beyond the noise, all that I need. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert, so honored that you're listening, and what a blessing to be uh, serving Jesus at this time, folks. Amen. No matter who you are, where you are, to know Christ, to be alive at this time. Bert, I, I know there's a lot going on in the world and in our nation, but is this not a <laughs> thrilling time to be a Christian? <laughs> it really is. I, if you're not excited about going to church this Sunday, uh, some of you may have been listening online, this is a Sunday to break out of your cycle of staying home and being at church. I just got a feeling uh, a lot of churches, God's going to break through in some great way to demonstrate uh, if we are just repent in all humility, depend upon him, Alex. God desires to do this in our lives. That's the good part. So anyway, exactly. yes, I'm, I, I think you can tell I'm kind of excited about being alive here today. Amen. A- amen. Amen. And hey, by the way, um, I want to remind everybody that April 21 through 23, Truth for a New Generation, our Apologetics Worldview Conference, we're going to be in Paris, Tennessee, Bert Harper, myself, Abe Hamilton, Will and Mickey Addison. It's going to be amazing. I want to encourage you, if you would go to my website, which is alexmcfarland.com, and under events, look at the Tennessee event, because this is an event. The theme is this, Truth Matters, Confronting the Issues that Will Shape Our Future. And I would love to see you there, and people are coming from across America, and I know April is a little ways out, but uh, register. We're going to have a great event, and you and your teens, people of all ages, can be equipped to thrive and stand for truth at this time in our nation's history. It's very, very important, and so I'd love for you to be at the Truth for New Generation Conference in Paris, Tennessee, Uh, April 21 through 23. Well, we're going to go to Oklahoma. John in Oklahoma, thank you for holding. You've been on hold a a good long time, and I appreciate your patience. What you got, John? Hi, Hi guys. Um, I believe that we're in history's final hour, and there's a great burden upon my heart about the salvation of mankind because they've said that most people aren't going to make it. And there's three verses in Scripture that I think the devil uses to deceive people. And one is, and I'll try to be very quick. Um, one is John three sixteen. For God so loved the world. You know the verse well, and it's plastered everywhere, right? Football games, college campuses. You see John three sixteen, that that he sacrificed his only son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish. So a lot of people believe. Oh well, I believe. Even the devil believes in Jesus. He's not saved. But I think a lot of people have this false sense of security that oh, I'm saved because I. I believe in Jesus. I think he's an okay guy, so I'm good. Now, there's another verse is Ephesians 2.8, which says that you are saved by grace through faith. So it implies that there's nothing expected of us. And the last verse I've got is Romans 10.13. It says, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. But we know that's not true because there's another verse where Jesus says that not all who call on the Lord will be saved. 
So there's contradictions, and I think a lot of these scriptures get out in public, and people have a false sense of salvation. And they say there's a lot of Christians in hell, and that that's a dead-end place. I mean, you're not getting out, and it's the most miserable. Well, so John, <laughs> yeah. hang, hang on here. I, I think the question is, uh, what does it what does it really constitute to mean born again Christian going to heaven, not hell? Because Bert just saying, well, God exists, that's not the same as a changed life in Jesus, is it, Bert? It is not. The word believe, John, and again, it is the most difficult, in my opinion, Alex, you may have a different thought, in a wor- in that word, <clears throat> to put that Greek word into English language is one of the most difficult ones to transpire, that whosoever believeth, it has the idea of faiths in and, and the closest thing we come to is trust in. But before you can trust him, you've got to surrender to him. And that has the idea of repentance. So these verses, John, do stand alone. Now, it, it may be cause Satan uh, distorts it in somebody's mind or somebody doesn't understand it completely. But those scriptures still are strong. For by grace we're saved through faith. It is a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. But then it continues. It says, for we are not, we are his workmanship created unto good works. And so when you look at it all together, John three sixteen, and those, if you look at them and know them and teach them, uh, they're, they're awesome salvation verses, Alex, in my estimation. Yeah, exactly. And let me just say this. You said there were Christians in hell. Uh, now, there'd be religious people in hell, I mean, people that might have been outwardly religious, but any born-again Christian, John 3, Jesus said that um, to be born again, it, really to be born from above, born of the Spirit, if you've put your faith in Jesus and you're born again, uh, you're bound for heaven, not hell, but um, I understand what you mean. It, it's possible to be outwardly religious but not truly have that relationship with Jesus. Now, folks, let me just say, if you want a relationship with Jesus, you admit that you're a sinner and you believe. You say, Lord, I, I believe you are the Son of God, as you said. And when you died on that cross, Lord, I believe you did that for me. And I, I receive you and I'm trusting you and you alone to be my forgiver. Uh, we have a partner in ministry, folks, and yeah. no strings attached. They're not going to ask for your money or anything like that, but it's 1-800-NEED-HIM, N-E-E-D-H-I-M. If you want to make sure of your salvation, you need to just talk with somebody, pray with somebody that will help you make sure that you have that relationship with Jesus. You can call 1-800-NEED-HIM him. But uh, we're going to continue with our question. Steve in Tennessee. Steve, thanks for holding. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Um, hey, I just got a quick question. My uh, buddy of mine's Jewish, and he was showing me his scriptures. And uh, it's a little bit different from ours in a couple of places, several places, really. But um, Psalm 2 is one I got a question for. They leave out, kiss the son, or lest he be angry. And uh, then they got a footnote saying ununderstand, not understandable. And also Zechariah twelve ten, they leave out. Um, you'll see him whom you pierced and weep for one as for an only son. So if y'all can just give me a little insight on that and what y'all think of why uh, those are left out and stuff. Thank you for this great call, Steve. Alex, I want you to tell the story about uh, the Jewish leaders and them mm-hmm. looking at all the suffering servant passages and some of these that we're talking about, and they said, "How? what do you do with them? And they said, we ignore them. So is yes. it possible that in even in their Bibles they're ignoring them? Well, uh, listen, they, they're in there. I, I, believe me, like Psalm 212, kiss the son, and it's capital S-O-N, lest he be angry. In other words, you know, come to him, acknowledge him. To kiss in the ancient world meant to acknowledge, you know, to get, it's not like a romantic kiss, but uh, it's in there, and the word is son, uh, bar, like, uh, you know, the, the Jesus bar Yahweh, Jesus, the Son of God. Now, one of the great scholars of our lifetime was Dr. Harold Wilmington, and he taught for several years at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem, and he was asking some of the rabbis, 
you know, what do you do with Psalm 22? They pierce my hands and my feet. What do you do with Zechariah 12:10? What do you do with Isaiah 53? And one of the rabbis said, what do we do with those scriptures? We ignore them. Yeah. And listen, I, I've seen some Jewish people come to Christ. I've seen some Jewish people uh, resist. And it, believe me, all these scriptures are in the Hebrew of the Old Testament. Sadly, though, the reason it is such a conundrum and such a, a real enigma is because, look, when you look at the Son sent from the Father who would be pierced, would be nailed to the cross, the iniquity of us, of us all would be laid on him. By his stripes we are healed. And then he, at the end of time, would come on clouds of glory, Daniel 7 and 9, and, the, and they would look on him who they pierced. Bert, yeah. <laughs> either that's Jesus... Yeah. Or history itself is incomprehensible. It is, Alex. It is so true. And I've even talked to some. They said they thought they were two messiahs. One, the suffering, and then the one, the victorious. They couldn't see it in one. But that's the way it is to the Trinity. I, I've gone through it several times, Wednesday night, talking to someone. That that they can't understand, they try to ignore it or explain it away. And, and there's just some things, like when they were looking at those things, I can see who's it talking about suffering and victorious, uh, you know, piercing and then overcoming. But it's Jesus. When you see who he is, what he has done, where he is, what he's going to do, he is the victorious suffering servant, Alex. Amen. Um, I want to go to uh, Nicole in Alabama. Nicole, thanks for holding, and welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you. Yes. You're go on. right ahead, Nicole. Okay. I was wondering about uh, submission. What does that actually look like? Um, the church I grew up in, I think a lot of the the men, the head of the homes, believe that it's just like being obedient to them. But I would like to know if I'm in right standing with the Lord um, based off of my definition of what it looks like. Okay. Alex, God does have—and I'm using a a term here—God does have his chain, and I hate to use the word chain of command, but he has his chain of authority. That's better. Jesus came to do the will of the Father. And they tried to convey him, no, you can be king right now. No, you don't have to suffer. Uh, But authority is being with that person. And Jesus was not just under him. He was with him. And that comes across, I think, with the female and the male in marriage as well. It does. Uh, Folks, I want to recommend, I'm going to read a quote here. And two great scholars, in my opinion, they are wonderful Uh, academic Christian scholars right now, Andreas and Margaret Kostenberger. They are on faculty at Southeastern Seminary in Wake Forest, North Carolina. Now, Bert, they've got a wonderful book published by Crossway, and it's called God's Design for Man and Woman. And folks, uh, Bert and I could do a whole show on this, and we really ought to, but let me read what the Kostenbergers wrote in their book, God's Design for Man and Woman. Um, And believe me, this is controversial nowadays, but this is God's Word here. It says, quote, Wives are called both to love and submit to their husbands. Their submission is not to be grudging or perfunctory, but loving and willing. The Greek word for submit, hypotasso, conveys the notion, quote, of placing oneself under another person's authority, which implies that this is done voluntarily rather than under compulsion. Now, I'm going to comment here in a minute, so hang with me, folks. Ephesians 5, 21 through 33 links wives' submission with respect for their husband. This respect should be freely given, but this does not mean uncritical adoration, just as submission does not mean subservience. And they go on, the Kostenbergers say, look, the man is to submit to God and serve his wife. The wife is to... Uh, respect and submit to her husband. And Bert, what it means is this, it certainly, certainly does not mean that the husband is this overlord and the wife is the doormat, not at all. It means that mutually agreed together, we are submitting to Christ, 
serving each other, and it's it's an unconditional love, but it's a committed lifelong love. And Bert, let me just say this: it is a beautiful thing. Um, marriage, as the Lord intended it, and I can only say, after thirty three years of marriage, the more that I have been able to love and serve Angie, the more I want to, and hopefully, hopefully, um, before Christ, uh, the husband is is one the wife would want to love and serve. Bert, I, I, in the shortness of time, I can't fully adequately explain it, but it is not one above and one below, it's but it's mutually together in a loving act of worship. We love and serve each other just like Christ gave his life to serve and purchase his church. My professor, Old Testament professor at Blue Mountain College, Frances Tyler, she is the first one I heard say it. She said this. She said, when God made woman, he did not take it from his foot for her to be trodden, did not take it from his head that she should lord over him, but from his side that they should march through together. Can two march together, walk together, unless they be agreed? Alex, I use this. It may not be the best illustration in the world. Uh, I do want to be the head of my home, but I praise God, Jan, my wife, is the neck. She she has pointed me in the right direction so many times, Thank and when I've Lord. ignored it, I've usually paid the price. You know, Do you catch my illustration there? Uh, you know, and I've said this so many times, <laughs> uh, men, the, the, the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life is going to come through your wife. Oh, me, yes. Am I right, Bert? You are right, and uh, I say it with shame on my myself when I thought, well, I know more than you do, you know? and yeah. uh, I, But I do. People say, well, I'm willing to die for my wife. Listen, what you want to do is die to self. Die to self and let Lord reign in your life. And I want to tell you, you can be the husband God wants you to be. And so, Alex, we're not going to have time. James, Al, Janet, Melissa, Marty, Jude, man, we had callers today. We'd love to hear from. Yes. But we want to spend time this last minute. Alex, can I lead us in prayer asking for God to saturate the worship Sunday in churches? Lead us, Bert. Father, we're praying that you would do the work in our churches, that you have begun to do the work in our colleges where our young students are. And God, may we call upon you and may we confess our sin. May we understand that we're to repent and turn away from that and turn to you. May it happen in church after church after church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, Amen, Alex. Well, folks, what a blessing. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Word. By the way, this is archived at AFR.net. You can share this with others, and we ask that you would like us on Facebook and uh, social media. And be in church Sunday. Look, God is at work. Let's catch this wind of revival and be in church on Sunday. Bless you. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.